Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. First day of summer here on Market Out Today. Season 3, Raw is 30 with the June installment as we're going to cover the June 21st, 1993 edition of Monday Night Raw, which highlighted, which is highlighted, I should say, easy for me to say, uh, by the 123 Kid taking on Razor Ramon with $10,000 on the line, plus the fallout from King of the Ring and all the other happenings in 1993 in the world of wrestling. I am Dave Rosenbluth and joining me as always. The, the, the man who takes these unexpected powders but makes these triumphant returns back to the podcasting world. It's only been a month or so, but he's back and he's better than ever. Kobe Nida. Hey, thanks, Dave. Uh, yeah, I want to thank all the listeners for being patient for last uh, episode. Marking Out Today is dropping a little bit late. I have been uh, going through a move, and if you hear me and I sound a little bit echoey, it's because I don't have my studio fully set up yet, but I will... Have that all set up, and then we'll be rolling out some more jams, dude. Uh, I'm excited for this. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Uh, Marking out the days. This is the follow-up episode to the last one, where uh, one, two, three, kid, the lightning kid, the kid, whatever you want to call him, L kid, uh, hit that beautiful moonsault on Razor, and uh, they follow it up with the rematch. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, definitely going to be a good one. Uh, so what I'll have everyone do. Uh, is go to your Peacock, uh, Season 1, Episode 22, Monday Night Raw, June 21st, 1993. goes 47 minutes and 16 seconds. When I say play, press play, and from time to time, I will, uh, I'll jack the audio up, and uh, I'll give you guys a timestamp if you want to follow along there. If not, you don't want to watch it, you just want to listen to Kobe and I banter, by all means, have at it. So, without further ado, in three, two... One hit play. As we see this open here, a clip from six weeks ago, one, two, three kid with the moonsault upsetting Razor Ramon, although Razor's left shoulder was up when the referee made the count. Uh, but the victory still stands in the record books. And uh, yeah, Kobe, um, you know, this was the the, the, the big moment for him. But uh, what else, you know... I said it was this his moment, but I feel like there's been other major moments he's been involved in that really don't get enough credit um, to wrestling historians over the years. Yeah, I think the transition in in the Attitude Era, um, where he showed up as six in WCW, you're like, well, uh-huh. holy crap, he's here, and then he bounces back as X Pac um, yeah. to the WWF, and you're like, wow, yep. um, just those big, exciting lightning moments, if you will. Uh-huh. See what I did there, um, but yeah, I, I I think this was a good build for him. Dad that, jokes at it again. I think this was a great build for him because he essentially worked himself up to this ten thousand dollar match, you know, um, mm-hmm. and he worked Razor. Um, he, he he like manipulated it 
Um, he, he's like, oh no, a thousand dollars. It's 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 not enough to do. You know, you're gonna hurt me in the ring. And then Razor just kept upping the ante, upping the ante throughout the weeks that we see building on the in betweens. And finally, yep. ten thousand dollars, and uh, he gets him. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah, that was pretty Spoiler. cool. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, the how 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 he kind of outsmarted Razor into forking over ten grand for the rematch. Um, and this will continue to build, you know, as time goes on. We'll talk about that later as the Steiner brothers make their way out to the rings ringside area with the WWF Tag Team Champions. Which, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time. That we've seen them with the championships. Yeah, absolutely. The last explain? episode of the last episode of Superstars, uh, Money Inc. had the titles, and then these house shows. Uh, there's been some title switches, right, Dave? Like, what's going? Why yeah. Is w, why are they doing that on house shows? I'm guessing they just they 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 did that. Uh, you know, my only my only reason, you know, logical reason why they did that was to kind of give that fan experience of like anything could happen in a live event by putting the championships uh, on the line um, and having a title title change take place on a non-televised event. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know if it's either Superstars or Wrestling Challenge following this episode of Monday Night Raw that we're watching, but it will be explained by Gorilla Monsoon um, in detail as to how these title changes occurred on one of those like WWF magazine reports or something to that effect. So, um if you're yeah, if if you're following along, if you're watching along between superstars and Raw, and you just saw them show up with the belts like we did, um, there's there's plenty of reason for it. And with the way that the WWF taped their 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 shows so sporadically and kind of all over the place, um, some of this, some of the commentary, I believe, I'm I'm not sure if this is a live Raw or if this was taped. Um, I can look that up, but. Uh, sometimes the commentary doesn't exactly explain all that. This was the era where, if I, wa- I want to say they were taping like four Raws. They did like one live and like three of them were, t- were taped following that because these shows were only an yeah. hour apiece. So they would do these marathon shows. And they, I think they did that for Superstars and Wrestling Challenge as well, if I'm not they're mistaken. Essentially, they're essentially pulling a WCW and it, 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 it gets convoluted. Yes, um, yes. With WCW the, with, when they the used to tape thing. like the worldwide shows and, and the... The, the the WCW Power Hours where they would tape these marathon shows yeah that's I mean but at the time this was this was in a transition period for the WWF with Hogan being gone um, mm-hmm. we this is this this shows eight days removed from King of the Ring where Hogan lost the WWF Championship to Yokozuna um, I'm sure that they'll be covering that at some point in this episode but um, this is a transition period. The, the WWF's going a different direction. They've moved away from, from the, the golden age, so to speak, and they're more, um, they're even more kid-friendlier, but the shows and the product isn't as good. Um, and so this is a transition period for them. Where, and also, they're right in the middle of the steroid trial, too, if I'm not mistaken. So they're, yep. they're going for the more um, athletic, uh, smaller-sized uh, guys as opposed to some of the the larger-than-life bodybuilders. Although, this was not long after this was when they tried to push Lex Luger as the next Hulk Hogan. So, uh, in some ways, you could say that they kind of contradicted themselves. Absolutely. Yeah, I think this is an interesting time with uh, transitions for for wrestling in, in general. Um, 93 so sucked much. as a whole for everyone. Let's face yeah. it. I mean, 
But at the same time, it was also there's there's little nuggets of importance in 1993 that whether they're good or bad, they they have a a, a lasting mark on history. This was also the year that Eastern Championship Wrestling uh, made yep. its debut with 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 Paul Heyman and Todd Gordon, which would eventually yep. become Extreme Championship Wrestling. Uh, yep. So. That was starting to make a mark in the Philadelphia uh, area. Uh, WWF was trying to, like I said, in a transition period. They were trying to move away from Hulk Hogan. Randy Savage is on commentary. There's no Ultimate Warrior. Um, Ric Flair is gone. So they're, they're, they're moving towards younger. You know, Brett, Razor, Sean, uh, Undertaker, Yokozuna. Uh, Luger's not younger, but he was somebody newer uh, to the WWF audience. The WWF so, new generation. Yeah. And then WCW on the other side, um, they were, I wouldn't say they were in a, I mean, they were transitioning out of the Bill Watts era. Uh-oh. As Here we, we go. See Here's this. the finish. Oh. And the fin- and the, and the, the <laughs> pinfall victory for the Steiners. Yeah. Those guys earned themselves 250 bucks and a hot dog uh, to, to take that and ass whooping. Fell on his neck. <laughs> Jesus. Uh. Yeah, uh, uh, you know can, those Frankenstein'ers. I, the more I watch some of the older stuff with the Steiners, those Frankenstein'ers, as cool as they were when they were younger, now they're pretty brutal to watch because he doesn't really. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know if it's the timing it's, or the communication is lacking, but those guys they they eat it big time. They, yeah, they it's, eat it on the it, top of their heads big time. It's few and far between when he actually hits it. Um, yeah. Oh, boy, as we see a King of the Ring report. I always love these uh, because it's like still photos over the audio. It just brings yep. you back. It, it, wants, it, it makes you want to watch it. Um, uh-huh. Even though you're getting some of the results, um, it makes you want to see the action rather than well, I mean, um, essentially the Rawls we'll now, now where you have 20 minutes intro and the video package and everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like it's a it, – it, this here, the, the the video package we just saw, is a is essentially what was the, the the strong parts of the King of the Ring tournament. Brett's rise throughout the tournament, defeating Razor, Perfect, and Bigelow, and then the Hogan Yokozuna match. So yeah. those essentially you're, you're you're giving us a teaser of of the the highlights of what took place. Nobody gives a shit about Shawn Michaels and Crush. Or nobody gave a shit about the eight-man tag with the Steiners and the smoking guns against Money, Inc. and the head shrinkers. You know what I mean? Nobody yeah. gave a shit about fucking Mr. Hughes wrestling, you know? They, so it, they, they gave you your greatest hits in the package and said, here, order the replay tomorrow night. Uh, yep. But, uh, yeah, so those are pretty cool. Um, here we got a, a Dark Side of the Ring dream match. Marty Jannetty doinked the clown two out of three falls. <laughs> Who can get arrested quicker? Yeah, I know, Twice right? in one My night. goodness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can get fired quicker. I think Janetti's got, got the record for like most hires and fires within the WWF, if I'm not mistaken. Probably. Uh, I'm looking forward to the those episodes, though. I think they've done a better job this season of Dark Side of the Ring, uh, not yes. being so exploitive. Uh, they're kind of telling a story and giving you a, a finish with it. Um, the Magnum mm-hmm. TA was kind of like motivating. Um, yep. And the the Eddie Graham one, wow! Uh, like, Did the Magnum TA one make you want to get up and go for a walk? Yes, sir. Oh, the... <laughs> wow! 
All right. I'm just taking a page out of your book. <laughs> yeah, we're here. For, we're here for the dad jokes, folks. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I think they've done a great job on the Dark Side of the Rings, and I'm 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 in I'm intrigued to see what they'll do with Marty and uh, one Matt Bourne. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, last season's Dark Side of the Ring. I was kind of disappointed. It seemed like the theme for all the episodes were was that like Vince was the Vince McMahon was the bad guy. It was the we got coke. It was the we got him. We got him now. Yeah, it's like it it was the you know the 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 summer of Vince you know uh, (laughs) the summer of Vince bashing world tour or whatever it was. But um, it seemed like every episode the 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 theme was Vince had a hand in this person's downfall. From Herb Abrams, who owned the UWF, uh, they blamed Vince's business strategies and, and, and marketing and advertising as the head honcho of the WWF and the success that the WWF had to Herb Abrams' downfall. Herb Abrams' downfall is he liked hookers and blow and he just had a lot of money that he mismanaged with a wrestling organization. <laughs> yep. uh, or, yep. or Dino Bravo. Dino Bravo didn't get his contract renewed in 1992 but they blamed Vince McMahon for Dino Bravo selling cigarettes in Montreal, Quebec, and getting shot in the back of the head, you know, in his living room, and that led to his death. Apparently, you know, not the mob showing up and putting one in the putting one in the back of Dino's dome, but Vince McMahon because he decided, ah, you know what, I'm going to move on from him. I'm not going to renew his contract. So I'm glad that there's some there there's there's a little more context in some of these stories. The the Eddie Graham one was probably by far my favorite one, only because I didn't have a whole lot of knowledge. About the Graham family, I knew about Eddie and his son Mike uh, committing suicide, but I didn't know the real in depth about the Graham family and how big of an impact they had on the Florida area. Uh, so, and on many wrestlers in in the history of the business. So that was that was fun. To, those are those are the ones I like the most. Are the ones that stories I haven't heard of as much, because there's only so many times you could tell the same story over and over again. Um, but uh, yeah. So far, I'm looking forward to Matt Bourne, the Doink the Clown episode, and, and they're going to end the one with Marty Jannetty. They might have to cancel the season after the Marty Jannetty episode. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah, and, I'm serious. I mean, unless uh, unless they're going to pay for for you know the language and the, they're going to pay for the the FCC for the FCC for some of the language and the content, you know, and the thing. I mean, that one's got like. In this, if, if pay-per-view were around, like if pay-per-view were a big draw these days, even though it's still around, you, the Marty Jannetty episode should be on pay-per-view. <laughs> rocker, rocker dropper, the story of yeah. Marty Jannetty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Rat killer. I think, I, I think at the time, too, he's, he's spending all his money on drugs rather than wrestling gear because his fucking boots <clears throat> are taped. Look at those horrendous things. Yeah. Oh my god. I just noticed that. I did not. Yeah. Oh yeah. Those boots are probably beat beat up pretty good. Yeah. Those are fr- those are probably from the AWA days. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I mean, but you know, then again, these guys weren't making a whole lot of money in 1993. We talked about the You're transition. The money right. wasn't as good. Kevin Nash so, talks mean, about sure. it. Kevin Nash talks about it all the time. He does. His you know the yeah. the way that they. Um, Fuck, try driving to Tallahassee to Daytona and going back up to Georgia and getting 50 bucks a pop. Fuck. Well, I mean... That's my Kevin Nash. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. 
No, that's all good. I, I got it. I understood it. I actually have stopped listening to his podcast. I'll be honest with you. Okay. Um, they talk more politics than I care to be engaged with, you know? I hear um, you. I know, that the, like, I know in the beginning it was, you know, they talked about how, like, they were going to splice some wrestling in, but for the most part it was going to be about, like, current events and things like that. And there's some episodes I've, like, stuck with, but, you know, how many times can I hear them talk about Biden and Trump and this person and that person? It's like, my God, like, I, you see enough of it on fucking TV. Like, do, do, you know, like, I get it. You don't, you don't want to talk about wrestling as much because it's, you want to do something different with your podcast. But, God damn, like, and I love Kevin Nash. I think he's a, a tremendous storyteller when it comes to, you know, the stories he tells, how he, how he you know, articulates himself. Mm-hmm. Um, not as a tremendous storyteller in wrestling, but just the way he tells a story, like in these interviews and stuff like that. But man, it's just—I don't—I don't—that's I, not what I'm listening for. You yeah, know? I'm listening for wrestling stuff. Absolutely, yeah. I agree. Um, speaking of wrestling stuff, uh, in WCW, yeah, got... uh, okay, Dustin shoot. Rhodes is their current U.S. champion, and I was watching some of the in-between stuff. And the way that they're pushing him right now is very like familiar to the way that WWE is pushing Cody. Um, really? Like, okay. <clears throat> do, do tell. Explain. It's basically, you know, my father is Dusty Rhodes, and I, I I'm a clean cut, you know, or I'm 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 a pure wrestler, and uh, the the booking of working. He, he works alongside a couple of the tag teams, Keith and Kent Cole, and uh, um, Johnny, oh my God, uh, Two Cold Scorpio, Two Cold Scorpio and Buff Bagwell. He works alongside mm-hmm. them, like kind of how Cody works alongside tag teams to build himself up. I mean, it's, it's, it's formulaic in wrestling terms, but it's mm-hmm. very familiar um, being that they're both the son of Dusty Rhodes, and this is 30 yeah. years removed. Um, yeah. It's interesting the same time that these guys are coming up. I really could have seen Dustin Rhodes be the uh, world heavyweight champion because at the time, one of his biggest rivals is uh, the world heavyweight champion, the NWA champion, is Barry Windham. Uh-huh. Um, so... They were kind of building loosely to Barry and Dustin, but Dustin never got the big one. Uh, kind of like Cody, you know. So uh, yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, looking back, looking back on it, Cody's got more charisma than Dustin. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I think that's where there's the, that's where there's the difference. Dustin, but they're just following they, they, the same formula. They they are in a sense. I mean, I, I can agree, I can agree with you there. There's some truth to that. When is Doink picks up the first fall in this dark side of the ring, two out of three falls dream match. Um, <laughs> we'll be right back. We'll continue. They're going to go to commercial, and the second fall is going to begin. But anyways, back to my point. Um, they, I will say this. They've leaned with Dustin in '93. They leaned a lot on his association with his father because he lacked the charisma. Okay. Yeah. Whereas with Cody, I don't think they lean on it as much. Do they acknowledge it at times? Yes, when it's necessary. But I don't think, and and this was one thing that I was afraid of was that Cody's, 
you know, whether Cody won or lost at WrestleMania to Roman, because I know that they name-dropped Dusty in a couple of those uh, promos with, with the face-to-face promos with him and Roman. Um, I was concerned that they were going to keep name-dropping Dusty, and it seems like they've kind of, since WrestleMania, they've kind of backed off on that a little bit. Um, they yeah. don't really, they, they don't, they don't really um, bring it up. I don't remember the last time they have brought it up, to be honest with you. The last time I can remember is probably as they were leading up to WrestleMania with the, the interactions Cody had with Roman on TV. So um, I'll, tell you, the, I'll think, tell you the last time they brought it up. Uh, every time Cody's music hits, it says wrestling has more than one royal family. Oh, oh, well, co- oh well, co- really? You're, you're fucking I'm kidding. Reaching, I'm kidding. I'm fucking You are know. reaching. That is reaching. No, God. but yeah. I I'll think, take a I Lee think, Cassidy joke over that, man. My I, goodness. I, I agree that they, they've leaned off of it, but and Cody essentially has way more charisma. But they're following the footprints of how to build a top guy in the business mm-hmm. uh, without, without putting him over right away. Um, yeah. And I think they failed with Dustin on that. They and and that may be due to Dustin's lack of charisma as well. But he was a workhorse in the ring. Um, oh, even, absolutely! Even thirty years ago. Yes, his his skill in the ring you can't you can't take that away. I mean, he was a very naturally gifted athlete um, when it came to the in ring stuff. Building a character, I mean, not so much until he got to the WWF and he became Gold Dust. Then that's a different story. But, I'm, but we're talking Dustin Rhodes here, you know, pre-Gold yeah. Dust. And, um, <clears throat> I mean, you could probably attribute a lot of things as to why he didn't gain as much success. I think the the, the association with his father it helped him and it hurt him. Um, yeah. It was, it was, you know, it's one of those things where when there's that family lineage in wrestling, sometimes, you know, you got to be careful how you lean on that because it could be a detriment to the individual you're trying to, to, to give the rub to, you know? Um, but at the same time, it's, it, it's a touchy, it's, it's, it's very touch and go. Um, unless someone has all the tools and the capabilities to, to be a big star, which is including the charisma and the in-ring ability and being able to talk and um, connect with the audience. You know, Dustin didn't have all of that at that time, but, yeah. You also got to look at the landscape of WCW at that time. There wasn't exactly well, someone there really another, leading the ship. Well, there, there's another point to that, too. It, it almost seemed like WCW had guys that were almost there, but, you know, didn't quite big build the big ones. And it was always like booking the uh, the heel stronger in Crockett mm-hmm. uh, yep. or WCW in general. I've always had the joke, uh, instead of Elton John's Rocket Man, it's Elton John. Crockett man, booking all your heels <laughs> way too strong. Um, <laughs> that all right? Time out for a minute. That is yeah. the best dad joke you have ever, Thank ever you. expressed on this show. Don't ruin it. Don't kill it. Don't overdo <laughs> it. There will never be another one like it. There's nothing to follow. You might have to retire the dad jokes after that. All I'm right, just thank saying. You. I'm, I, ju- I think, I'm just saying. I think to. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I think to to that effect, like Arn Anderson is chasing the championship in 1993 around this time. He never won the big one. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Flair comes in, and of course he wins the title, but he has to turn heel in a way. Um, um, it, it, it's it's interesting the way that they're they're booking in WCW. Um, the 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 faces only can get some shine for a little bit. Sting. 
had his run, but it was short lived um, mm-hmm. each time or cut short, you know? Well, there's the stark there's there's the, the the stark contrast between the WWF and WCW at that time. The WWF was a heavy babyface territory where the babyface led the the promotion and they fed the babyface the Ooh. heels and you know Marty Jannetty gets a pinfall here. I think we're tied up one to one. Going to a yep. third falls. We go to a commercial break. Crowd pretty into it. Not a bad match from what we're watching. But um, to to my point, you know WWF was all about the baby faces leading the territory and feeding them the heels and you had the hero on top. And to some extent, you could make an argument, not necessarily in the last couple of years because of Roman Reigns, but um, WWF was a, and WWE was always about the baby face as the champion leading to that point. Whereas Crockett, WCW, was all about the dominant bad guy in the heels Having the babyface chase them, you know, Dusty Rhodes chasing Flair, Sting yep. chasing Flair, yep. um, and eventually Sting chasing Hogan uh, for for the title, you know. So it, um, you know, your your point about the babyface is only getting a little bit of shine. I think that goes to how they structured their booking and where their babyfaces and their heels stood uh, in the eyes of the fans. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's. It's an interesting time for right now because they're just, uh, they're waiting for that big moment with Flair again and everybody's excited Mm -hmm. to see him back. Well, you think, do you think they're waiting? Like, are you, are you talking about when Flair won the title from Vader later this year? Are you just talking about when Flair returns to in reaction? Flair's had some segments within the, the past month leading up to where we're at, um, in, in June of 93, um, where he... He the Hollywood and, Blondes, right? Yeah, the Hollywood Blondes. Oh, and Barry Windham's been showing up in a motorcycle, which is ahead of mm. his time. Um, okay. But yeah, the Hollywood Blonde stuff. Yeah, there, there's some heat going on there with Brian Pillman and Steve Austin, some future legends. Uh, yeah. Feuding with, uh, feuding with Arn and Flair. So it's mm-hmm. the Flair for the gold is brought back, which is... Yes, you know, the lead into everything and that epic uh-huh. moment, of course, that we all know. Um, and, but do you know, do you know why that they, that they waited to, to put flair in the ring? Do you know? I don't, I don't, I, I might, if you, so if from, you remind me from what I've heard over the year. And I think this is, this is true. Um, I think flair has said it, but when flair gave his notice to Vince McMahon in the WWF in the fall of 92. He gave a 90-day notice. He worked the 90 days. He put guys over on the live events. He eventually put Mr. Perfect on the way out. The deal that was made was that they would... Vince told Flair, I'll let you out of your deal. Um, and you can go back to WCW, but um, you can't wrestle for six months on TV. Wow. So, or for... It was for... Well, yes, yeah, six months. I'm trying to think. So February... March and April to May three, so maybe all right. So like three to four months. I think it was like ninety days or something. He he couldn't wrestle on TV. So um, he came back at Super Brawl in February of that year, and he was there to to hand over the 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 NWA Championship to Barry Windham, which kind of started their rivalry. And then they had Flair on TV as a mouthpiece doing these talk show segments because of the because of the deal. Which in a, in a way, I guess WCW. At least in my opinion, based on watching it, 
handled it pretty well because it helped build Austin and Pillman in these talking segments to make them look like they were credible threats to Ric Flair and Arn Anderson and building towards the return of Ric Flair and Arn Anderson um, as a team on television. So yep. it worked out in their favor. Yeah. Uh, and an incredible transition time um, for Ric Flair, I think, and the business because um, it solidifies that he was, he was always kind of WCW. As much as that run is important for him in WWF, it, it's rather brief. But, you know, and I think he's always synonymous with the World Heavyweight Championship and yes. Uh, yes. NWA. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, I think we're getting towards the nitty-gritty of this, this, uh, this match here. We're in the third and final fall. Matt yep. Bourne, or sorry, Doink, excuse me. Um, and Marty's been selling, like, amazing during this match, and the, the fans are really behind him. Um, I think... This time period with him and Sean, there was some jealousy going on. We've talked about it plenty to where, you know, Sean has the story about Marty sleeping or being drunk or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and then Marty getting fired, yada, yada. Um, but I, I've also recently heard that Roddy Piper used to entice these guys um, and kind of um, say, you know, uh, say, to, say to Marty to his face that Sean's the better wrestler and he's going to make it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've heard stories would, where they where they would have, where they've had a couple of physical altercations in a hotel room. Yep. There's one in particular that Marty actually told this story on it was an extra on one of Shawn Michaels DVDs. You see another doink making his way under the ring. Steve uh, Kern, like Steve Kern. Uh, but um the Skinner. Skinner, yep. Steve Kern, uh, one of the fabulous ones. But anyways, uh Janetti told the story where him and Sean got into a physical altercation. They'd been drinking, and they were in a hotel room, and things got out of hand. They trashed the room. There was blood, black eyes, you know, bruising, and the cops came. And it was Randy Savage that fucking saved both of their asses and told the cops. He said, you know, he said they're practicing their match. We're doing a story on TV. They were just doing a little practice. And... Uh, <laughs> And, and it was Savage who saved their ass. They didn't get arrested, but that was, if I'm not mistaken, if the timeline is correct, I think that was right around the time when they, I think that was the, either, either that was the time right when they decided to do the split and things got bad at the end, or I also heard a story that they had a physical altercation the night before the Royal Rumble of January of 93. And that mm. also was another reason that led to Janetti's uh, firing. Um, that both guys had been drinking. There was an issue. Janetti roughed up Michaels pretty good, and Janetti um, Michaels Michaels was in pretty rough shape going into that match based on um, the altercation. So if uh, it's one of those two instances, but nonetheless, Savage fucking made sure that they didn't get arrested. And I think they owed Randy Savage uh, a, a definitely uh, a, a lot after that. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, the, the Michaels, Janetti, jealousy, the issues that they had, I'm sure that that is going to come up in Dark Side of the Ring. And it wouldn't surprise me if they kind of label Shawn Michaels as the bad guy. Oh, my God, this, I know, right? In, 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 the, in that story, that Marty Janetti story on Dark Side of the Ring. 
Now, what sense did that make? He went under the ring and then came back out himself. I thought Steve Kern would have come out by now. The other doink. Maybe, maybe, maybe they. Uh... Oh, see, he's he's going under the ring again, where Kern originally came went went under. Gotcha. So now he's back out. There he is. Full f- fresh face paint. He got a quick. He, he touched up the makeup a little bit, which. I don't understand. I mean, it's wrestling, but Hebner uh, Hebner should have caught that one as Janetti kicks out. You know, two we talk about you know Janetti during this time period. Let's talk about you know Doink for a minute. Doink was on, in my opinion, in, high, in retrospect, Doink was on fire with some of the matches he was putting out during this time period. Heading into King of the Ring, he wrestled Mr. Perfect three times in some great matches on Raw and Superstars and Wrestling Challenge. And they had these um, like double DQ or time limit draw finishes. and They were really good matches. Well, Matt Warren and, and Kurt Henning had a, had a rapport from Portland. They had wrestled in the 80s and kind of came up okay. together. Um, yep, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so the, they they definitely were putting on some some barn burners, like you said. I saw those matches uh, leading up to this. I I really think they 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 sh- they sold him short in a way, doink, or maybe he yeah. he ruined himself um, politically. Rather, he picks up the I, victory here. Yeah, nice pile driver. Um, Savage is going to come in, and I think yeah, this is this is where they. Yeah, so this is oh Savage getting involved now. There's two doinks. He's gonna pull the other one out probably. Yeah, so every now and then they would get Savage involved in some of these angles from the broadcast booth, which was kind of neat in retrospect looking back on it. I'm a, I'm a little bit Picasso. I'm a little bit Richard Petty. Uh-huh. <laughs> what the hell is he got on? Jesus and now Bobby Heenan getting involved. This is a big angle here. Yeah. And these are... Uh, are these some of the last days of Bobby? Bobby Bobby's run ends in December of 93. So, okay, he's, okay. so he's on his way out the door at the end of the year. Okay. Um, it's not yet. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's not yet. Um, Gee. Savage would get himself involved in some of these angles on Raw, you know, as a commentator. Um, it was probably Vince throwing him a bone, like, you know, no, I, 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 I want to wrestle, time, but yeah, yeah. God damn pal. <laughs> yeah. And the chemistry, with, I'll say this, the chemistry with him and Bobby was pretty good. Um, they, they, they leaned into the history that the two characters had with Bobby representing Flair, um, in his rivalry with Savage, as we see an Ico pro commercial with Lex Luger. In the gym at the old Titan Towers, as well as a Hasbro commercial. Oh, these take me back. This is the this is kind of the final run too, right? Yeah, they they got about an, I think they got another couple of series that they put out um, following that. But um, yeah, the Hasbros are what what started me getting back into collecting action figures. So um, I don't have them all, but I have a good amount. Um, there's a few that oh, Mr. Hughes is in action. Oh. If anybody wants to use the bathroom, if they're they're they're, they're participating in this watch along, <laughs> Mr. Hughes is up next. Yeah, just so, listen uh, along, please. Yeah, just listen along. Yeah, keep listening along. But you don't have to watch. Um, 
as we see a raw girl. I like the raw girls with the ring cards. That was kind of neat. Brought something different at the time. Yeah, I loved it. And we talked about it last uh, episode. They got I wonder if they'll bring that back, too. All shapes Considering and Considering that UFC, UFC does the, the, the ring card girls. Now, you know, Endeavor and WWE have merged. Mm. Curious if that's something that they might in, incorporate back into their uh, into their programming. Oh. Legally, I'm not allowed to be uh, around um, certain female clientele anymore or employees, <laughs> but uh, I, I would definitely approve. And Johnny Ace Bobby would who? too. Oh yeah, Vince. Let's fuck them both. <laughs> huh? I wonder what he's doing. Because he got he got. I mean, probably some twenty three year old. Quickly. I wonder if he's still married because he was he was married to the Bella Twins' mother. They yeah, got, that's you know, a, he's their stepfather. So I wonder if, I wonder if he's still with her. I don't know. Uh, as you see, Mister Hughes has the Undertaker's urn. Uh-huh. Uh huh. How did that come about? It was the King of the Ring, correct? It was the match between. Um, well, they played the clip on the King of the Ring paper. It was the superstars that took place that weekend. Gotcha. Hughes wrestled Undertaker. Giant Gonzalez got involved. They attacked uh, Paul Bearer. It was a setup from Harvey Whippleman, and that led to Mr. Hughes gaining control of the urn. Uh, they played that clip before his uh, first-round matchup with Mr. Perfect on that King of the Ring uh, pay-per-view event. Right. Ooh, nice drop kick there. Big guy. Um, and they had tried to call him Big Cat Mr. Hughes at one point in WCW. Yes, he was. I think they did call him the Big Cat, just the Big Cat. And he, okay. before he did the whole gimmick with the tie and the suspenders and and uh, what's his name? Uh, I I once heard a story on uh, Jim Ross's podcast a couple of years ago. Jr. was talking about Hughes and. Um, you know, he was a journeyman wrestler, went, you know, pretty much wrestled everywhere. He was a solid hand, as they like to say, uh, but didn't have, um, for whatever reason, didn't get the, the recognition that many thought he, you know, had potential. Um, and uh, JR once told a story that um, a lot of the, one of the reasons why Hughes had such a stop and start career in wrestling was because he suffered from sleep apnea, and hmm. at that time, and I'm in a, in, according to Jr. I could be mistaken, but according to Jr. During that time period in the '90s, sleep apnea there wasn't any way to treat it. There was not; they didn't have developed CPAP machines at that time, and so Hughes Hughes had an issue with his weight and with uh, suffering from sleep apnea. He, he Jr. said once he was waiting for a plane in an airport somewhere. And Hughes was on the same flight as him, and they were in the middle of conversation. And Hughes just nodded out, and then Jr. had to wake him up, and uh, they continued the conversation. Wow! As he's continuing this match here, not ending it. My God, why would oh, why wouldn't you end this match? Because we want to see more, Mister Hughes. I guess so. He still does the convention circuit, from what I hear. Uh, looks pretty slim. I think he's got a wrestling school or wrestling camp. I, uh, I believe so. God, that was ugly. Yeah, this better be the finish. One, two, three. Thank God. What even was that an attempt at like a, a rotating choke slam? 
or like a like one of those like spine busters, kind of like what Ron Simmons used to do, but you know where yeah. he'd like kind of spine buster him with like one arm. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Must be all the oil from the uh, outside of the urn. So it was slick. It was too <laughs> slick. Let's play the audio here for the commentary with Vince, Bobby, and the Macho Man. Oh, well, hold on. Before I do that, this Sunday at noon on the USS Intrepid, All-American Wrestling. So they are, they are headed towards, it doesn't exactly take place, but they're headed towards the, the hype for the Body Slam Challenge with Yokozuna, which would set up SummerSlam. Yeah. Look at this hairbrush we got? there. Hairbrush in front of Macho Man. Is he brushing his hair during the break or something? Probably. Oh, <laughs> Diva. Hold on, Vince. Hold we on gotta a do second. The cool As he's sweating his balls off, though, because he's wearing yeah. some ridiculous garb. And a well, he hat. also just got a little physical in that Marty Jannetty doink match, so he's True. probably still... Um, as we see, Razor Ramon with 10,000 scamoleons, as Bobby Heenan would say. Uh, getting ready to face the one, two, three kid for ten thousand dollars. Yeah, love this. This is the uh, the ultimate, the penultimate event here on this uh, episode. The, the main, main event. event. The main event. Yeah, the main event. One, the two, main. three kid. Right. Look at him. Look how chipper and young he is with that mullet there. Oh, it's a time for mullets, huh? Yeah, I mean, that was big back then. Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, uh, Diesel Smoking had a mullet. Smoking Guns. Smoking Guns had mullets. Steiner, Scott Steiner had a mullet. Um, I bet you if Savage could grow hair on the top of his head, he'd have had a mullet too. Hey, I got a mullet. That's why I'm brushing my hair. <laughs> Now, why is why is Razor holding the big the the bank bag? Look at that thing. It, it looks like something out of like a Dick Tracy movie. Like, <laughs> like come on. Oh my like, god! Give, I'm give surprised. Me, that... Give me like a briefcase or something. Like, oh yeah, well, he looks like he just robbed the bank. I'm like, surprised it doesn't say Acme on it. Yeah, give me the bank bag, man. Just put the money in the bag. I don't in need. It. I don't need. Like, like, like I'm gonna, next time I go to the bank for a withdrawal, I'm gonna be like, uh, "You're just gonna ask for fucking the? Can you give me one of those bank bags. Do you guys have this the white sack that has the money sign yeah. on it? You know the ones with the zipper on top. Yeah, <laughs> it legit has the money sign on it. Oh man, that's crazy. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> Match underway. As we see the cameraman adjusting the bag, too, so he can get a good shot of it. Oh, man. <laughs> Love that. Love that sunset flip. Wow. Yes. And it's all just built off of the quick count now because he's going to come out of nowhere. Spinning back kick is beautiful. Yeah, he's trying to get the quick victory. He's, he's trying yeah, to end it's... this early so he can so he can go cash out and uh, spend all his money at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> the intensity of this is awesome. Yeah, great chemistry between these two when they wrestled. Um, I mean, I didn't appreciate this back then. 93 was a tough year for me as a wrestling fan. I'm not going to lie because, you know, we talked about it, and I've said it on my podcast. I was a big Hogan guy. I was was a Hogan mark. And 
And so Hogan leaving was like, it was, I, I, my world was like, it, it didn't fall apart, but I was just like, how does Hulk Hogan not get revenge on Yokozuna? You know, the cameraman flashed the flashbulb in his face. You know what I mean? So I was like, so seeing a lot of these new guys, like it was, I liked Brett. I, I liked Sean, you know, but it was, it was a little difficult. And then even seeing Lex Luger, like I, like that was where I was like, in my, I couldn't articulate it, but in my head I was like, they're they're trying. Oh, that was nasty! That choke slam. Wow. Jesus dropped him on his on his neck and shoulder area. Um, Jesus. But but eventually, when they turned Luger into a baby face, and you know, Mister USA, and they, it was kind of like a, I felt like it was a, a Hulk Hogan ripoff in some ways. Really? Um, and I was like, that should have been. Yeah, I was like, I, I felt like that should have been Hogan. You know, That's and cool. I just thought Luger was a better bad guy, and yeah. that. I thought I didn't mind the narcissist character. I thought it worked. It were, got a reaction. You were, you were a smarter fan at the time. I mean, in in, in retrospect, you know, I, I I couldn't articulate it that way. But thinking about it in my head, it just like things didn't, you know, click on all cylinders when it came to like when it came to that, you know. Yeah. And like Randy, even Randy Savage, a commentary like Savage was another one of my guys. Like not wrestling. You know, like, and, and him and Hogan were the mega powers. Like, why wouldn't Savage want to help Hogan, you know, or get revenge for Hogan with the title, you know? Like, yeah. I just, like, I, I, when they put Luger in that spot, I thought Savage should have been in that spot at that time as a kid. Like, I wanted to see Savage and Yoko at SummerSlam rather than Luger and Yoko. I was a Bret Hart That was just mark, me. So, I, I was, I was all for Bret getting the push and I felt. He's but here's the thing: I like title, I'm, and I I think him going with to Jerry you. Lawler was a, was like oh, the big divergent. It was just like oh my gosh, I'm with you there because as much as I liked Hogan, there were a few. Like I said, I liked Brett, and I thought that I thought Brett getting screwed at WrestleMania and then winning King of the Ring. I thought King of the Ring was going to be like automatic. I get a rematch, even though he right. technically really had a re- you know what I mean. And like you said, the divergent with Lawler. It was okay. I mean, I mean, in retrospect, like, they were building. You were talking about it earlier with Cody. Yep. They, you know, they were building him and keeping him strong without putting him over. Yep. Like, in he the title his, picture. He had his hit list. He had to, like, build and work his way up the card again because, they're, as yeah. you said, there's all these new faces now. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, 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 it's... Very uh, interesting to hear your take on the Hulk Hogan stuff, though. I wish we could have queued up the um, the world just lost another Hulkamaniac in the background while you were <laughs> while you were. <laughs> no, I, I I will say though, like it was, it was, it was. Uh, oh, look at this here, kid up top. Oh, Jesus! He falls on his oh, head. Oh my! Oh my goodness! Oh my! God. Like face first, like he's got to be yep. bleeding. Nope, he's not. He's he's got he's knocked out though, and he doesn't remember the end of this finish. I I, I definitely recall this story being told on WWF. Oh my um, god! Yeah, he knocked himself out cold, and they don't know if they can go to the finish. So uh, this is it, um, and <laughs> he does not recall this. They they uh, so he you'll this see you'll see at the end. You'll see at the end. Oh, again? You'll see at the end. uh, Earl Hebner has to tell him to go 
to remind him. Um, Earl Hebner kind of takes control and tells him to grab the money and leave. So he kicked out, and then he grabs the money. So Razor kicks out, but then Kid leaves yep. and grabs and the left. money and runs. Pew! Out the back door. And he can hardly run because he's so concussed, so Razor has to slow down. And then they got this dude driving a fucking car to get out of here. Yep. Holy shit. Wow. See, I didn't know all this. I've never seen this match before. Let's go to the audio here with Vince and Razor. I'm going to play the audio. We're currently at 45 minutes, 52 seconds. Silencio. Nobody rips off the bad guy. Hey, stick man. You can run, Chico, but you cannot hide. Razor is after you. But will you catch it, Razor, alone? He's ten thousand dollars richer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Technically, so, yeah, he committed so that- a crime on uh, live to tape TV. Uh, he stole a man's money. What by stealing the money? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He didn't he didn't win that money fair and square. He stole it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. See, I yeah. didn't know all this. That's wild. And you see, you learn something new every day. Thirty years later, you find out that the one, two, three kid never really beat Razor Ramon to get that money. Yep. And you That's also wild. find out the the Macho Man was a big fan of Richard Petty and Pablo Picasso. <laughs> here we go. Style right here. Choice. The replay. Kid with the knee on top of the head. And Razor gets counted, and we end Monday Night Raw here. That was a fun watch-along, I must that say. That was great. We, that was a good episode. That was, um, that was a very good episode. I, I like I how it. they paced it, too, with Marty and uh, Doink. Um, yes. Kind of stealing from WCW Saturday Night, if you will, doing the two out of three falls match. Um, which Matt Bourne was synonymous with when he was uh, Big Josh in 1992, when you and I watched along last season on Mark uh-huh. of the Days. Um, Very so, much yeah, so. Interesting Absolutely. stuff there. Um, and then not really a mention of Hulk Hogan after the uh, no. after the still frames, you know? Yeah, that was pretty much the end of it with him. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he he would work the he would work the European dates. Um, he would wrestle Yokozuna in some rematches overseas. Uh, according to Bruce, this was a this is a, a, a classic podcast argument that Bruce had with Conrad in the early days of something to wrestle. But um, Conrad questioned uh, Bruce's reason for uh, putting the title on Hogan at WrestleMania only from the drop at a King of the Ring, and Bruce said, "Well, it was to to build up the European tour." And Conrad, you know, said that. Hogan never wrestled as a champ on the European tour. So what do you mean? And it turned into this big argument. You can find it on the WrestleMania 9 episode if you guys ever wanted to listen to that. Of uh, Something to wrestle. It's a classic, classic debate between the two of them over the reasoning behind Hogan winning... (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Excuse me. Winning the title at WrestleMania. Uh, But yeah, pretty much he was... After he did those European dates, he was gone. He wrestled Yoko. I think he wrestled Giant Gonzalez 
on on a couple of those shows as well. I've seen some pictures of the two of them. Yeah, um, I believe you're right. And, so, and some matches from those European dates. But uh, Hogan would be gone. It wouldn't be seen till roughly about a year later when uh, he was back with W. He was making his debut with WCW. And I'm sure that, you know, that'll be something we'll discuss at a later date. But, um, yeah, this was pretty fun. Uh Let's see what we got on deck for July here. Let me. I'm looking through the the network. Um, sorry, the Peacock, and <clears throat> there's quite a few interesting episodes for the month of July. We can cover next month. July 5th, we'll be revisiting Yokozuna's July 4th Body Slam Challenge, which pretty much shows clips of when Luger slammed Yokozuna on an episode of Monday Night Raw. Okay. We could also watch um, Yokozuna's Path of Destruction continuing on Crush. On the July 12th episode. I believe this is also the debut of Men on a Mission. July 19th. Shawn Michaels battles former tag team partner Marty Jannetty and uh, Money Inc. Also, Teddy Biasi and IRS also interject themselves in this Razor Ramon 1-2-3 kid uh, controversy. And then July 26th. Bret Hart faces Bam Bam Bigelow while Jerry the King Lawler interviews and insults Bret's parents. So hmm. we've got a number of different ideas we can choose from. Kobe, which one of these episodes would you like to watch huh. next month, the month of July? I'm kind of uh, kind of into the the body slam challenge, but then I'm also into uh, the Marty and Sean. Huh. Okay. What, what about you? How what about you, this? What? Here's an idea. How about we cover the July 19th episode that sees Shawn Michaels battle of Marty Jannetty and also keeping with the continuity of the Razor Ramon 123 Kids storyline. Okay. Um, instead of covering the Body Slam Challenge with Lex Luger. Yeah, uh, because I'm sure they'll, they'll show clips of it in that episode. Yeah. Yeah, so next month, July 19th, 1993, Shawn Michaels battling Marty Jannetty. And uh, Razor Ramon's involvement in, or I'm sorry, Money Incorporated's involvement with Razor Ramon in this one, two, three kid angle on the episode of Monday Night Raw. That will be what we covered next month here on Marking Out the Day. Season three, Raw is 30. Awesome. Kobe, Thank you guys. Love it. Been a pleasure. A great time. Thank you all. Subscribe, like, rate, review, press play, download, tell your friends, tell your friends' friends. Marking out the days, season three. Thank you all so very much. And, uh, yeah, let's put this one down. Let's put this one down for the three. Ca- oh, wrong show. I'm sorry. Oops. This isn't kicking Oops. out at two. No, Oops. sorry. Do you want to end this? Do you want me to end this? What do you want to do? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, goodbye, everybody. Yeah, see you later. Get the fuck out.